A rebellion within the House Democrats is threatening House Speaker Michael Madigan's grip on power. Schools are preparing to reopen amid a pandemic that seemingly won't go away. And Capital News Illinois is taking on a new project with a new reporter. We'll talk about all that on this week's edition of Capital Cast. Hello and welcome back to Capital Cast, a regular podcast of Capital News Illinois. I'm Peter Hancock, and I'm here with our State House Bureau Chief Jerry Nowicki and Capital News Illinois' newest reporter, Ray Troncoso. Rebecca Anzel is on vacation this week. Guys, good to see you. Good to be here, Peter. Thanks for having me, Peter. So we've been on a little bit of a hiatus the last few weeks, but we're back now and happy to report that Capital News Illinois has expanded while taking on a new project. Ray Troncoso comes to us as part of a Report for America program. Welcome aboard, Ray, and tell us a little bit about what you're doing. Yeah, so I'm a member of the Report for America Press Corps, which is an initiative of the nonprofit Ground Truth Project. Uh, basically, their idea is to embed reporters into places they call news deserts, um, places where you know there's important things happening, but not enough people to cover them to get that information to uh, the broader public. And so as part of that, uh, I've been embedded with Capital News Illinois to cover the Black and Latino legislative caucuses, um, the communities they represent, as well as low-income and rural communities. Okay, and so how's that been going so far? I know you've been taking part in some seminars. Uh, what, do you, what do you intend to focus on? Well, the big issue right now, which is affecting almost you know every facet of daily life, is COVID-19. Um, and because of structural inequities that already exist uh, broadly in the United States, COVID-19 has affected Black and Latino communities in a specific way. Um, they're more likely to catch COVID per capita, uh, they're more likely to be an essential worker. Um, kids who've been affected by COVID, over 50% have been Hispanic kids. So uh, COVID and how it affects people disparately based on the population they're part of is a big part of what I'm covering, but then also more broader things that are more specific to Illinois uh, I'm going to be focusing on. Yeah, now before the pandemic hit in the spring, um uh, social justice, social equity was a big part of Governor J.B. Pritzker's uh, agenda. Uh, he had a lot of criminal justice reform measures that he wanted to take a look at. Is that going to be part of your focus as well? Yes. Yeah, so something that I've already covered already is the R3 initiative uh, of J.B. Pritzker's administration, which is reinvesting a sizable chunk, 20% of all tax revenue from legalized adult cannabis into black and latino communities that have been uh most affected by the war on drugs so that's something i've covered already and i will cover more of in the future i'm also going to be covering what they call equity licenses which are basically business licenses to sell cannabis which will be given out to black owned businesses so that they can kind of turn a profit and try to rebuild communities that have pretty much been decimated economically and and socially by the war on drugs and yeah, those licenses have been slowed down, as I understand from your reporting, because of the pandemic. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, so uh, JB's been a little vague on when specifically those licenses will will be given out. Um, the timeline has been shifting because of the pandemic. Um, a lot of that has to do with 
a, a third party company that basically is supposed to be vetting who gets these licenses. And uh, it's a company that is a foreign company. And part of their policy is um, they want to do these reviews in person, but they've also restricted their the agents of their company from traveling to the United States. So that's been a big part of, of the delay. Um, I believe like three or four weeks ago, JB said, you know, in another six weeks, we might see these licenses going out, but I haven't seen any statements since then. So when these licenses are actually going to be dispersed is kind of up in the air, but I assume, or based on what JB said, we can probably anticipate that we'll be released within the next two months. All right. Well, we're going to look forward to seeing your reporting on all of those things. Um, but for now, you know, the big news of this past week has been an internal rebellion against House Speaker Michael Madigan, who, as we know now, has been implicated in a bribery scheme involving utility giant Commonwealth Edison. Uh, Jerry, you've been writing about this rebellion. How serious does it look to be? Well, first of all, I'd like to say welcome to Ray. We're happy to have you and look forward to how you can expand our coverage. Um, as far as Madigan and the rebellion, uh, just because of the machine he's built and the seemingly constant support he had for his members, the four uh, women who have uh, asked for him to resign is really a big deal. Whether it'll affect his uh, speakership at this time remains to be seen. I can't predict what else the feds are going to drop and how else that'll change other members of his caucus. But reportedly yesterday, um, I had asked for a statement from his spokespeople around noon and they said, yeah, there's not going to be a statement today. So I said, okay. And then the whole day he's had allegedly reportedly been speaking to members of his caucus, calling each one of them saying, Hey, where are we? with support. So at about 7.45 last night, he puts out a statement saying, I'm not going to resign. I'm leading the effort to uh, unseat Donald Trump from the presidency in Illinois, whatever. But that says to me that the phone calls reassured him and he thinks he's got the support to remain speaker, at least until or if um, another indictment comes, if he's named or if his closest people are named in one of these federal documents. Okay, so that statement came out Thursday night. Uh, we're recording this on a Friday. Um, meanwhile, we're in an election year. All the seats in the House are up for election. And after that, there will be an election for a new speaker. Uh, do you think it's possible that he would face a challenge for another term as speaker? Um, I don't think, I mean... Judging by his statement, uh, he might face a challenge, but I don't think it would be a serious one. Uh, I don't think he would have uh, made that statement uh, Thursday night if if not for confidence that he would be reelected as speaker. Okay, so and then outside the realm of politics, uh, we're now uh, getting into early August. Schools are getting ready to reopen, and there's the question of whether or not they will open uh, for virtual learning, for in-person learning, some combination of both. Uh, but one thing we do know is that they're going to open with a slightly different sports schedule uh, because of the pandemic. Uh, the governor issued an executive order, I guess, this week about 
youth sports, including school sports. Uh, what can you tell us about that? Um, yeah, so the football would be played later in the year as opposed to opening the year, um, which is downstate, especially it's football is a major thing for a lot of these communities. It's their Friday night event and it's a major community um, event for them. Uh, the governor's orders, basically, if there's heavy contact in any of the sports, you would only be allowed to practice in non-contact fashion. So what the football schedule change does it, is it sort of holds out hope for later in the pandemic if we're in a different spot than we are now. Uh, but if, if the um, current regulations that the governor has put on sports, if those hold through for the school year, there's still not going to be any football at the end of the year. Okay, but there might be baseball in the fall. Is that right? Yeah, they have to, as provided everyone remains six feet apart from each other in the dugouts and or in the bleachers behind the dugout, uh, they would allow for baseball. Um, and I'm sort of wondering how that's going to work out in the locker rooms as well, though. Uh, there's a lot of questions about all of it. I don't know. There... Okay. Uh, meanwhile, there was also an announcement earlier this week. Teachers are very concerned about how this is going to work. Uh, they are insisting that they not go back to in-person learning unless the schools that they work in have safety plans in place, protocols uh, that will help ensure the safety not only of the students but of the teachers, all of the staff, the custodians. Um, and they're even they, they're saying they will do whatever it takes to get those in place, including going on uh, what are called safety strikes, just refusing to go into work unless they get the protocols that they want. Um, Illinois is one of the states where public employees, including teachers, are allowed to strike. Uh, is that a possibility, do you think? Um, yeah, it's, uh, the unions are always uh, reserve that right um, for the protections they see fit. I'm not going to make a prediction as to whether it'll happen this year or not. Um, but the governor has said many times, you know, each district has to uh, decide for themselves how they want to do this safely and what form they want their learning to take. Uh, one of the things uh, we want to have Ray focus on is if these districts go remote only, how that affects the lower income uh, students who um, there was some reporting in Chicago earlier this year from the Tribune and one of the radio stations, I think WBEZ, that uh, there was a major disparity in the, how many hours were spent by black and white children um, in remote learning. So um, there's a whole lot of, there's going to be no good solution to how we do education this year, but um, we got to look at a lot of angles of this. Yeah, and there are obviously major disparities in terms of access to the internet, uh, not only at Rural areas tend to be underserved, but also a lot of lower-income neighborhoods in urban areas. Uh, so it's, pr and that's probably something you know Ray might want to jump in on, uh, looking at the educational disparities uh, that might be compounded by the COVID nineteen pandemic. Uh, have you heard much about that, Ray? Yeah. So from the reporting I've looked at since um, I've been in Illinois a few weeks now, but the reporting, like Jerry said, back in May was that um, in the week that that, uh, 
you know, the Chicago Tribune and, and other uh, outlets were looking at this in early May, over 15% of students in Chicago basically had no contact with the school for that whole week. Um, and so that, that shows pretty, pretty sizable engagement, a pretty sizable chunk of the population isn't doing remote learning at all. They, they can't be contacted by the school. They can't be, or they haven't been turning in their schoolwork. So what happens when this pandemic goes on for, you know, another quarter of the school year where 15 to 20% of the population basically isn't in school uh, because of various factors like access to internet or, you know, a, a number of other things that, that might prevent them from, from engaging in the schoolwork. So that's a serious question uh, about, you know, what can the state be doing to make sure that they're, they're getting to those kids so they don't just lose out on another year of school and get pushed further behind. Okay. Well, that's going to have to do it for this week on Capital Cast. Capital Cast is a production of Capital News Illinois, a statehouse reporting project of the Illinois Press Foundation. Until next time, this is Peter Hancock saying thank you for listening.